This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Delivery. so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to episode 218 of the Stacey West podcast. We're in the midsummer special. We normally take a break. We're not taking a break. We're going at it hard and fast. And going at it hard and fast with me this evening uh, <laughs> well, uh, is Mr. Lamming. How are you doing, sir? <laughs> uh, I'm okay. You're taking me back a little bit there. Uh, that, that's news to, it's news to me that that's occurring this evening. Uh, I don't know how I feel about it. I think I need to... It's just, you know, just just to settle myself a sec. But no, I'm I'm good, thank you, mate. How are you? How are you? Yes, yes. Well, of course, we had our um, we had our first ever uh, Stacey West podcast meet really this weekend. It was the first time all members of the Stacey West have got together um, in one place at one time. We never managed it. We, I don't think with with you, Jake, uh, and me and Ben. Um, but obviously, Jake's gone. Charlie came. And uh, talking of going at it hard and fast, I think the tipsy took some Stacey West. Uh, presenter pounds for um, shots and beer, I believe. Yes. Oh, it was so good. Those shots are incredible, by the way. Toffee vodka? The to- yeah, both of them. There's a peanut butter one and the toffee vodka. The toffee vodka one went down very nicely indeed. Um, and far too often and far too too regularly than, uh, than, than maybe it should have, but it was all worth it. It was a great day. Yeah, and then neck oil, and um, that was the, what I was on. Yeah, well, that, yeah, same. I think I must have had seven or eight of them. Yeah. Plus... I've, I've genuinely have no idea. <laughs> I, mean, I, I lost count. I was actually my second wedding party, just so people realised we didn't just hire the tipsy imp and get drunk ourselves. Um, but yes, we were all we all came together, and it was all very good. And we're going to do the same again this Tuesday, aren't we? So we're going to be in the Ivy, Min- minus the shots, I, I imagine. Minus the drinking, yeah. We, we're so just for the listeners, we're having a bit of a planning session on Tuesday. Going to put some new features together for. Uh, the coming season, we've got a bit of a weekly quiz uh, arranged, which we'll be asking people to take part in. And after the presenters have taken part in it, potentially live on Tuesday night, we shall see. Quite nervous uh, about this, actually, if we do have a test run. Well, we've done it. We did it the other day, didn't we? So so the, the test, the, the quiz, the loose premise of the quiz is um, five things. Uh, and so we're going to have a big jar and it's going to have all these questions, for instance, 
Uh, five times Lincoln have scored six goals or more. Five Lincoln City players that played for Grimsby Town. Five times Lincoln beat a non-league team in the FA Cup. And the idea will be that you'll come on and you'll have to get five of them. You give us five answers in a set time and then if you, we'll rank you. So everyone who gets five correct answers will then be ranked on how quickly and we'll have an ultimate winner. Um, and Chris and I played it while we were playing pool the other night. And it was a great little, uh, it was it was a great side kind of hustle to the pool, which it needed to be, uh, given that I won 12-3. Um, I have to admit, right, <laughs> it was like playing against Ronnie O'Sullivan. I was far from terrible. I was. I played. You played well, yeah. Better, better pool than I've played for a long time, and I still got my ass absolutely kicked. So sometimes you just got to say credit where credit is due. You lost to the better player. I did, but it was a nice distraction to get my ass kicked. Was playing that that quiz game. Uh, obviously, we weren't under under a time limit when we was doing it, but it was it was really good fun. And the amount of things that you you forget that you know because there's a even just discussing it around a pool table. There's a little bit of pressure on it. It was, it was good. I think it's going to be a really good feature. So, yeah, we'll, we'll obviously uh, let everyone know a little bit more about this once we've got it all panned out and, and fleshed out and we know exactly how it's going to work. But it should be a nice feature and obviously a good opportunity to get on the pod for everybody as well. Yeah, it should be. And I actually think we might, we might make it a YouTube feature. We are going to fill up the YouTube with some bits and bobs. Um, we've even got a TikTok now, so I don't really know how it works Not uh, or, or what I it does. I don't know anything about TikTok. I know all the cool kids use it, which is why I obviously don't. Yeah, um, yeah, me too. <laughs> but, but yeah, if you're into that sort of thing and you are cooler than we are, um, then there'll be something on there this season as well. Yeah, well, Charlie's 19, so he might use it. And Ben's a geek, so he might use it as well. Um, and my hairdresser in Louth, uh, Harper's Barbers, she's very good, by the way, if you're in Louth, she uses it um, and she tries to tell me about all these things that she's watched on TikTok. Uh, and I just sit there wishing that the ordeal of having my hair cut and having another human person who's not my wife touching me um, would be over. So there we go. Anyway, we do have some bits and bobs to discuss. Uh, first of all, I'd just like to clarify that Alistair Smith and Rico Hackett are not injured. The pictures of them in wheelchairs were promotional pictures, uh, just in case anybody's got that modelled up, because I know that we've had a terrible injury record of late. Did I, I hope people didn't actually get that mixed up, did they? Or did some people no, no, that, that, seriously? No, that was me doing that tongue-in-cheek. But you never know, do you? About I, I, You know, what? I thought you might have seen a comment and thought someone had gone <laughs> and fallen hunt kind of line and sinker for it. I was like, no, surely not. We, okay. we do have some weapons comment on Twitter. I don't think we've got any weapons that are quite industrial size like that. But you never know. You never know. Um, and they're not the only new signing that we have. We now have another new signing who, if he was sat down in a wheelchair, would still be able to reach uh, for a slam dunk. We have signed six foot six goalkeeper Lucas Jensen. Um, so we've, he's come from Burnley. He's on a free transfer. So they've released him 24 years old. Uh, last season played 29 League One games for Accrington Stanley. He's kind of he's, he's come through the same sort of process as, as the keepers that we've had really on over the last couple of seasons in that um, he's been with a, a big club, Premier League club, hasn't got games for them, has then had a couple of loan spells. One, I think, with, uh, and I'm not even going to try, I'm going to try and pronounce that, Kordringer um, in Norway, I believe. Um yeah, so we're going this year with a permanent goalkeeper, which interesting choice. What what do you make of it? Yeah, well, I think that's the headline, isn't it? Is that we've um, we've certainly not been let down by our policy of loan goalkeepers last uh, over the last three seasons. We've had three really excellent loan goalkeepers, really. Um, so yeah, it's probably a slight surprise that we've we've gone for a permanent one. 
Um, it was interesting to hear Jez or read Jez's comments about him, which actually meant that we maybe actually haven't stepped a million miles away from our um, from our policy, even though it kind of seems like we have um, because he's permanent. Because he said we kind of target a certain profile of goalkeeper, you know, that's currently at a bigger club that's really impressed in our division or division below. That's generally been our approach, and. Um, he was on loan from a big, well, a bigger club, a championship now Premier League side. Um, had, had impressed. He has some, you know, some some real positive reports. Certainly, a, a game away at, at Bolton seems to stand, uh, kind of stay in the mind of a lot of Accrington supporters. And uh, it just so happened that he was out of contract at the big clubs. He was able to move in uh, and sign him on a permanent deal. But it's a really interesting one because because it, you know it's it's just that novelty. He's he's ours on a, a two year deal. Um, and Jordan Wright, of course, is also on a, on a two-year deal. So we've got two permanent goalkeepers signed for this season and next season. Um, again, you don't, you don't know in reality how they're going to compare, but on on paper, I would say the the skill gap between um, Jensen and Wright is probably closer, certainly at this at this point in the season, than Wright and Rushworth were, uh, well, say at this point, Rushworth hasn't signed at this point, but at the point Rushworth signed last season. And I think it's closer for two reasons. I think it's closer because um, as much as Rushworth re- massively impressed, Jensen maybe is slightly less proven, uh, or maybe just slightly less regarded um, because he hasn't had any, you know, he hasn't had an England call up because he's Danish, um, obviously. Um, but also the fact that, that I think um, that Wright has probably improved somewhat as well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see to see kind of who who gets the nod. I expect them both to play an equal part in pre-season and then a decision to be made maybe from there. I, I imagine Jensen's been signed as a number one, but I do feel that it's it's not kind of a def, like, such a, a hard-defined kind of one-two, maybe as it was with Rushworth Rush, Rush, and Wright last season. Um I'm not sure what else there is to say, really. I think it's just it's really interesting, isn't it? And we've got two six foot six goalkeepers as well, so uh, we've clearly gone for a certain profile there, haven't we? We have. I mean, there was a couple of things that sprung to mind. Obviously, the the fact that we've gone for a, a keeper on a permanent deal, I think, was was a relatively big thing. Definitely surprising. There's an element there of the Alex Palmer about it. I think Palmer might have been 23, 24 when he came to us. Um, he'd had one significant loan before us, which again, if memory serves, was Plymouth. Before yeah. then, it was the odd game here and there. I think he'd been at Notts County and Oldham, potentially, on emergency loans. Uh, and you've got two spells here with Carlisle, one game, and, and the team. Uh, Bolton, he'd been at Bolton on loan with no games as well. So Jensen's been out and about. Physically, uh, and, and looking at some of his clips, he reminds me an awful lot of Thomas Holy. Yes, the, I think that's a keeper. really, really good comparison. Um, I saw some clips as well, and, and yeah, it seems really, really kind of imposing. The yeah. only thing you can't really gauge, which is um, his distribution, um, certainly his, his short distribution, because in, in fairness to Accrington, they, they didn't play out too much last season, so you can't judge that element of it. Um, but yeah, um, I think. Comparing to Holy is, is a really good comparison. There's a similar stature, a similar style of keeper as well. I think so. And I really liked Holy. And I know he dropped into Division uh, League, Division 4, League 2, whatever you want to call it. So there's obviously something lacking from his game. But I always felt when we played Ipswich that he was just this impenetrable wall. You know, I mean, and he must be imposing for opposition strikers. We clearly want somebody who's going to dominate his area. I thought Carl Rushworth did that very well last season for a relatively small goalkeeper. I um, thought Josh Griffiths struggled with it. That was the one thing I felt that he really struggled with when he was with us. Uh, and I think it's massively important. It may even lean a little bit towards the problem that we had last season where bigger teams 
um, in terms of physicality were probably teams that we lost to that we shouldn't have done when teams bullied us, the likes of Burton, the likes of um, Cambridge, etc., with Joe Ironside at, at their place. You know, teams that got the ball in the box a lot. Actually, even though we had really good, def- we had kind of got really good central defenders, I just felt they were the teams that felt it found it easier to break us down, whereas teams that tried to play through us found it very difficult. So it could be a a target to that. I think six foot six, I I probably don't want to subscribe to a keeper's got to be big um, in order to be effective. I don't don't (laughs) think that at all. Sam Long is six foot two. Um, I think he's going to be a a great keeper. I really, I still do. But I don't think you need that height. Alan Marriott was never the tallest. Uh, but at the same time, my first memories of, of goalkeepers were Dave Besant and Steve Grizovic. And I think Grizovic was six foot six and Besant was six foot five. And in 87, Grizovic won the FA Cup with Coventry. And in 88, Besant won it with Wimbledon. So the big keepers always stuck in my mind as, you know, that, that's, that's quite a, a positive. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. It's not another loan. I do think, I do agree with you. I think that Jensen is probably a little bit closer in terms of skill gap to Jordan Wright. And by that rationale, probably a little further away in terms of skill um, from Carl Rushworth. But Carl Rushworth was too good for this division. And I think if you've got a decent defence in front of you, you can afford to forego a little bit of that kind of skill gap. What I will say is I read an interesting article with Jensen uh, that he did in January whilst on loan at Accrington, where he basically said, I want to, I think I'm good enough to play in the Premier League eventually. uh, And I want to play for Denmark. So, he isn't coming here to sit on the bench and let Jordan Wright be number one. Jordan Wright will have the bit between his teeth, thinking two permanent goalkeepers. We've got real competition for places. The one thing I don't want to see is Jensen getting 10 or 15 games, Wright coming in for 10 or 15 games, Jensen coming back in. I think you need to be settled. I think your goalkeeper, once he starts the season, has got to play 40 games if he's fit. The only reason that, 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 that you, yeah, I agree. I think the only reason you want to change from that is if, and, and hopefully this doesn't happen, um, significantly poor form. Yeah. Like, but it has really to be over several form. games, not yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Every, every goalkeeper makes mistakes. And yeah. inadvertently, if you make a mistake as a goalkeeper, it ends up in the net. So it always sticks in the mind, which is why goalkeepers are scrutinized so much. But actually, it's the position on the pitch you have to be the most consistent. Um, so yeah, I agree. Like, making a mistake here and there. That, ha- that happens. The best goalkeepers make the fewest mistakes. It, it, it's not a lot more to it than that, other than at the absolute elite level where like really good ball-playing ability comes into it. You know, that's Man United are a prime example. David, David De Gea is an incredible shot stopper. But actually, he's, he's massively at a disadvantage now for United because of his ball-playing. But that's at the absolute elite level. At our level, it's about consistency. Absolutely 100% about yeah. consistency. Who makes the fewest mistakes? plays um so yeah if you make a few mistakes in a row then you'd be out of the team or of course injury and then as a number two keeper you know i've been there a lot myself as a number two goalkeeper you, you want your mate to do well there is such thing such thing as a keeper's union but when you do get your opportunity obviously you want to take it and ultimately if you do if it's so let's just say jensen starts to start of the season he has a, a run of poor form or picks up a bad injury or and right gets an opportunity to play and is of an excellent quality a really consistent then of course that's that's what will happen. And you think, just like in any other position on the pitch, he deserves to keep his position. And that just happens less often um, for goalkeepers because they are generally more consistent and naturally pick up, or most of them will pick up fewer injuries just because it's, it's there's less of a contact, um, less of a contact support as, as a goalkeeper is compared to, say, central midfield, for example. Um, so I agree. I think in an ideal world, you want to have a, a clearly defined number one that's been pushed in training each day by the number two who gets the cup games, maybe. Um, 
and that that's the best case scenario, I think. But but I, I don't know if I agree in regards to you wouldn't want to see fifteen games here, ten games here. I think if the circumstances meant that who started the season as number two performed adequately to keep their shirt, it means that something's going well. So I don't mind that. If there's one swap, if there's two or three swaps, it means that somebody's not performing well enough. Um, and then the other one isn't either because they swap back. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, and of course, a minute ago, you said that we'd got two goalkeepers. We are worthy of playing League One football. Actually, we've got three very good goalkeepers signed on. Um, the other one, as I've already mentioned, is Sam Long. Uh, and Sam's signed a season-long loan with Falkirk today. Now, this one's really interesting for me because I don't follow Scottish football all that much. And when I saw Falkirk, I thought, they're a big side. It's, I couldn't remember whether they were... Scottish Prem or Scottish Championship, and they're not actually. They've fallen into Scotland, Scottish League One, so they're effectively in in the third tier of Scottish football. They lost the playoff final, I believe, to Adrianians after finishing second in the division. Um, but this is a club that, in terms of size, is actually a relatively big club for Scotland. Um, and at one point, Falkirk were always kind of on the cusp of the the Premier League, dropping out, drop, kind of going back in. Um, looks to me like he's gone there as number one. They don't have a designated number one at the moment. They've only got one other keeper, Nicky Hogarth. Uh, Sam had a indifferent season last season as well, didn't he? He was at Boston where he got the most amount of games that I think he's played because obviously he was at Drahida and, and came back halfway through. But his spell at Boston was punctuated by, I think, a manager change potentially. There was certainly a frail back line. They were really struggling. He was getting the blame for a lot of goals. Um, where, you know, similar to, to Josh Griffiths getting it when we kind of had a paper-thin defence in front of him a couple of years ago. He went to Bromley. Um, somebody uh, uh, close to Sam kind of let me know, told me that he had a great time at Bromley, uh, learned a lot under Andy Woodman, who was their manager and a former Crystal Palace uh, coach, good goalkeeper. Just when he got in the team, literally, he got in the team for one game and we recalled him because we had an injury and that kind of put an end to a decent loan. So, he needs a, a, a kind of a, a big season, some regular football and, and probably a settled nine months, doesn't he? Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. He, I think it's easy to forget how this time last season he was arguably in line for a number one spot. Before we signed Rushworth on loan, that was a lot of the talk. Is Sam Long going to get a chance in the first team? You know, it was him and Wright at the time that we had signed on. And, um, you know, a lot, a lot can happen in a year. And, and now he probably has fallen on that pecking order because of, yeah, probably not a lot of issue. Nothing, nothing that's his his real fault, you know. He went to a a Boston United who were a mess at the time. To be honest, they 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 had a, such a huge squad squad churn during the season, um, and then like I say, managerial change as well. So it just probably just wasn't it wasn't the best of environment to really thrive as a lone player. Um, and then like you say, yeah, just got his chance at Bromley and then got recalled. So he had a great run at Drogheda, um last summer. Uh, I agree. He just needs to go into in, into a, a, any club at a half decent competitive level, who is going to who is he's going to play week in week out for? Um, and Scottish League One's a really interesting level because there's there's a lot of smaller clubs there that are semi professional, but there's um, Falkirk and then recently relegated um, Hamilton Ackies who are pro. So he is going to be playing week in week out. He's training every single day. Um, in a team that's going to be a favourite for promotion. You know, Hamilton have had back-to-back relegations. Um, they'll want to kind of come back up again. But Falkirk came second last season behind um, Dunfermline, who, on a complete side note, really interestingly and randomly, have got a pre-season friendly at home to FC St. Pauli coming up soon. It's really cool. I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's really that. cool. Sold out. 
Yeah, sold out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sold out. The, the three three stands, both both goals behind, and one of the side goals are for San Paoli fans. It's yeah. ridiculous. Anyway, um, but uh, yeah, so he's going to play week in week out in the Scottish third tier, but at a professional club, um, who are going to be favourites for promotion. He's going to be in what you'd hope to be a successful side. Um, yeah, I think it's. A, I don't want to go put so much pressure on and to say that it's a make or break season, but I think it's really important that he has he has a. A positive season and, and and has more importantly than anything just just guaranteed game time um because you have the, if you get guaranteed game time you have the opportunity to build consistency um as i said keepers union me and and i was the perennial kind of, when i was younger I, I was the kind of perennial second choice keeper in a lot of non-league sort of sides and and uh when you do get your chance and, and you want to impress it, but it's difficult to make it's difficult to make an impression, a big enough impression in one game as a keeper to keep your point, your place. And when you get your place, you get that 10, 15 games under your belt. That's when you start to really feel comfortable and you start to build that consistency. And mo- and probably the most important intangible for a goalkeeper is confidence. I was just going to say, got yeah, confidence, it's got to yeah. be. Um, and I just re- I really, really hope he can go there Build that consistency and confidence, and come back this time next season with a genuine, a genuine shout of being being our number one. Well, at that point, then have three contracted goalkeepers. What a great position to be in in a year's time, especially when you consider Wright allegedly was watched by QPR and a couple of others at the end of last season. Yeah, Sam exactly. goes and does well there. He's young. He's been Scotland under twenty one England training camp, and I. I think with keepers, it's a little bit different in terms of the number of loans that you have. I think if you're a player and you go out and you have a loan in the National League and then the next season you go back into the National League, people are going to go, well, you're stagnating. But if you're a goalkeeper, I think that multiple loans, different places, there's absolutely no shame in it as long as he's going out and getting games. And the one thing that you touched upon there that I think was massive, so I've got written down here, is confidence. Because if he goes to Falkirk, and they're winning games, and he's got a decent defence in front of him, and he's making saves when called upon. He gets that confidence he had at Drahida, but there's no fear of a recall. There's no chance in January we'll recall him. We've got two first-class goalkeepers, um, and own an injury to one of those would the way things are going would probably necessitate a loan rather than calling Sam back. I think we're focused on Sam's progression. So Sam Long's departure is um, is one of our current players going out. Uh, one of our former players who will have now just left the club. Max Sanders has also rocked up at a new club. I'm pretty sure I called this on a on a podcast at some point. He's gone to Leighton Orient, closer to home, exactly the sort of club I thought he'd go to them or Wimbledon. Um, makes sense for him, I think. Then decent move, decent move, I think, for Leighton Orient. They're picking up a player who started what 23 games or something in League One last season. Did he appear in 30? It was about 34, 35 games, yeah. And and that's why people have said, uh, as he's gone, there's been this comment, Max never got his chance. 12 months ago, I would have said absolutely, because he played against Bowers and Pitts, he scored the goal, left out, left out on the last day when, you know, he wasn't even brought on on the last day when we beat Crew. He had his chance last season. Uh, three months where I thought him and Virtue was a great midfield in League One, uh, and then he disappeared. I'm not sure he can play in a two. I think he'll play better in a three. I'm not that gutted. I've seen other players sign for, like uh, Anthony Scully signing for Portsmouth. I think, ooh, that could hurt us. Even Harry Anderson at Stevenage. I'm not sure Max Sanders moving to Leighton Orient is one that I feel too negatively about. Yeah, same. I think I kind of got over it already and kind of expected it because we knew he wasn't being retained. Uh, but it was always going to be interesting to see where he ended up because... 
I think we've all seen some potential there. I think technically he's a he's a really really good player, um, and he's he's generally got decent work rate. Um, I know when he came on against Shrewsbury towards the end of the season, in the shape change, he came up at the, at the base of a three-five-two in a holding midfield role, um, and he, he he that that whether it was directly the shape change or whether it was the shape change and the fact it was him coming on, um, you know, you can have that argument until the the cows come home, I suppose. But it did help; it made a big difference. Um, I personally wouldn't have felt particularly comfortable with him being as a, a holding midfielder starting for the whole season. I felt he t- takes an extra touch. It's, it's, it's something I've said ever since we signed him, ever since he's played, and no one else agrees with it. So I think it's just me. Um, but I've always felt just one extra touch here and there. It doesn't mean he, he doesn't give the ball away, but it maybe misses a, a forward pass here and there, um, and maybe just defensively positioning maybe doesn't doesn't fill me with a huge amount of confidence. I thought he was excellent when we played 4-3-3 at the start of last season in one of the 3-8s, those box-to-box roles. I thought he could. Yeah. When he first got his chance, we, we were talking about him and Rowan, who hadn't had the chance the season before. They were both playing, and we were thinking, yeah, they're both they're hilly. They're both showing what they can do. Why on earth weren't they playing last season? Rowan obviously kept his, his place in the team for the majority of the season, and, and Max was a bit more in and out. I agree with you. I think he suits he suits a three really well. Um, I don't know if he suits a two. Um, we, we, we I think we're signing players that give us the flexibility to do both but I don't feel we're going to miss him I feel we, we can upgrade I think he's replaceable and upgradable having said that though I think a club like Leighton Orient is a perfect club for him and it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him move closer to home play week in week out League One football and absolutely thrive yeah I, I agree I think I don't think he was ever happy here um, I remember interviewing him for the programme when he wasn't getting game time. It was before the Bowers and Pitsy game. And he was um, he was on the train back from Brighton. He was telling me he was getting the train back to Brighton every other weekend to see his family. He did the now infamous athletic interview where he, he said he didn't realise where Lincoln was after he signed for us. And it was only while he was on the train that he realised how far away from London it was. But he had to get away from Brighton to play regular football. Um, he didn't get off to a great start under Michael Appleton. Michael never liked him. But what I think is interesting is we're at a position now where we've got Max Sanders and Sean Rowan, two players who 12 months ago we were saying, well, they've been frozen out. Why haven't they had a game? It's just not right. They've got in, they played relatively well. We've now got one of them who was moved back home with big questions over whether he was homesick. You've got another one, Sean Rowan, who at the moment won't pen a new deal. He's waiting to see if anything better comes along. Does that say a little bit? I don't want to be too negative here, but does it speak a little bit of their character that actually maybe, okay, maybe Michael Appleton's treatment of them didn't exactly kind of align with how people might have liked, but do you think that his treatment of them is maybe reflective of where we are now? I'm not saying they're problematic players, but I'm saying that they're players that probably in their mind have been looking either to home or to their next move and Michael just cast them out. That's a really good point. I hadn't thought of that. That's a really good point. Potentially, yeah, potentially. And maybe it's a little bit that, you know, um, you could try and rebuild some bridges, but they can't always be fully, you know, fully fixed. So um, certainly on Max's case, maybe he, because he really was frozen out, wasn't he, under under Michael Appleton. And maybe, maybe, you know, unless he had played and started week in, week out for his last season, he, you know, maybe that, that kind of relationship was damaged already. Um, and he was thinking, yeah, I've played more this year, but, I know I can, you know, he might have confidence in his ability and, and know he can play week in, week out at this level. And he just wants to go away somewhere so he can do that. And yeah, yeah, I, I don't ever want to come on here and criticize a player's character because no, no. you don't know what goes on behind the scenes. 
maybe Michael was up was was you know was onto something all along, or maybe because of how they were treated under Michael means that for the last twelve months they've actually both them had one eye on elsewhere. Good point. Because again, you look at Lee Frecklington, who was frozen out, and we know that he was the right sort of character for a football yeah, exactly. club. So, so that speaks to it being partly. But I, I just, I think it's easy sometimes for those who didn't like Michael Appleton, and and you know, I, I, I did look quite like Michael as a person. Um, but I think it's easy to say, well, he never got a chance under Michael. A football manager is not deliberately going to leave a player out who could add value to the squad. Um, and again, Michael was very rigid in sticking to that kind of. Uh, four, three, whatever he played, but he was very kind of rigid with that. And, and we, we've said Max probably didn't fit into that. So um, so there we go. What we'll do now, we'll have a quick word from our sponsors. It might be me talking about McDonald's, apparently, unenthusiastically. Uh, so if it is, my apologies. Um, but we'll be back in a moment. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So there we go. I hope that's not me talking about McDonald's inspiring you never to go there again. Uh, so we've talked about players. Uh, there isn't, at the moment, we're, we're recording on Thursday, 25 past five in the evening. So at the moment, there's nothing else. I'm not expecting anything tomorrow. Um, just really quickly, though, Michael Horton did tweet the other day that we're still looking at a striker, uh, given that, Obviously, Cole Stockton's not signing. Uh, not surprising. I mean, Freddie Draper, I think, may... It doesn't look like we're recalling them. Their, their two-week break will be over next week. Yeah, not so recalling we're them. getting close to the old deadline for that, aren't we? I don't think they're coming back. You know what? This time last week, I would, I would have been 90% yes. I think we discussed this, didn't we, when, I was, when we were playing pool. I was, I was pretty convinced you absolutely would bring them back, but maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. not. So still in still in line for a striker. I still think that there will be a wide player. Of course, we haven't mentioned Charles Vernon leaving, have we? Which um, of course you know, we've forgotten about him. Uh, I think that with the greatest respect to Charles, because he's another lovely lad. I think that's probably reflective of the input that he had last season. He was a signing in pre-season. That I thought was going to do really well for the club, and um, he was. Again, I keep saying with the greatest of respect because that's the way of trying to say something negative about somebody without trying making them feel bad. But his impact was poor, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah was I was really... going to say you were you were thinking you were going there. I'm not sure about poor, but yeah, yeah. I think he's one of those players that you always like to see. He's a tricky winger, direct player, gets the ball, runs, you know, runs with it towards the goal. <laughs> There's not a lot of flair or you know finesse around it. He gets the ball, he pegs it towards the other goal and tries to make something happen. Sadly, 
that 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 end product just just was a little bit lacking. You know, one one goal in the um, EFL trophy kind of says says it all, really. You know, there, there was flashes there. Um, there was a really interesting stat loaded towards close towards the season that Charlie mentioned a few weeks ago that he actually had the highest um, the highest shot on target percentage in League One out of players that have played a certain percentage, but. It's interesting to see, you know, you can kind of read a lot into stats because if if you watch the games live and see a lot of the shots that he had, um, a lot of them weren't weren't particularly high quality. There was a couple towards the end of the season, one against Accrington sticks in mind, which is a great strike that, that almost went in. But yeah, um, I just feel this time last year he was he was he was a good signing, a player that had done well in League Two, uh, in a in a reasonably uh, successful League Two team, just missing out on the playoffs the season before. Um, him and Paulie O'Connor obviously both came in from Bradford. Uh, on free transfers, I think it's, it's, it's exactly the sort of sign that you can expect. You know, player that's performed in League Two, which just hasn't quite made the step up. Um, is he signed for Grimsby for an undisclosed fee? So that would suggest we've made a, a profit, but I imagine it to be an incredibly small profit. Yeah, um, I think it's just best. It's it's a good outcome for all parties. He's not going to play much for us, so it's sensible to get him off the wage bill. Um, he's going to play a lot more football for Grimsby, and they've signed a good player for the level. So I think it's a win-win-win situation for all parties, really. I think what sticks in my mind, we do the XG award here, as people know, where we, we look at the goals, we look at the XG, and if someone scores significantly more goals than their XG, they get an award because they're, you know, they're more clinical or they, they're you know, striking from range. Charles Vernon, far and away, was at the opposite end of the scale, that his XG far outweighed his actual goals, so he missed more chances. I like the lad. I think he's one of those players that will always do well in League Two or relatively well in League Two if he's in the right sort of team. But I don't think he'll ever make the step up. That's twice now he's come into League well, One. Well, that's that's proved that. So, so yep. you know, people can. I know people love us talking about XG, <laughs> um, but it, it's it's not an exact stat. As we said, it's not an exact stat. It's not even really a statistic, but it's it's a okay. useful guide. And um, I think over over a, a short period of time, uh, or even like a one match, it doesn't tell you a lot really. But certainly from a player's perspective, if a player is consistently outperforming their XG, so someone like Harry Kane, for example, Erling Haaland, um, their XG will be, let's say, 30, and they'll score 40. Um, and that's because they're incredibly clinical. And what they really means is their their ability is of a higher level than what they're playing at and their, their yeah. opposite. But if you're the other way around than that, if over a course of a season, your XG is higher than your actual output, it just suggests if you're a forward player, of course. If you're not, if you're a defender, that doesn't really read too much into it. But as a forward player, um, it just suggests that you're you're playing at a level that's just slightly above your level, um, and you could do it for a team across the whole season. And and the team with the worst xG compared to actual goal output was Forest Green. And when you when you you saw them play, not just against us, but against so many teams, they just didn't quite look good enough for the level. There was nothing significantly wrong. They weren't, you know, they weren't really poor or anything. They just weren't, they weren't at the required level in, in those key areas of the pitch. And that just got found out over the course of a season. So I think the stats back up the fact that, yeah, he's just, he's just a League Two player. He's a good League Two player and he'll be, a, he'll be an asset to Grimsby and he's comfortable there because he's, he's played there before. Um, hopefully he doesn't do too well because I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to see him get promoted. I would like them always to be perennially slightly worse than us. <laughs> I, I liken him just before we move on. I liken him to Theo Archibald, in that Theo came to us. We all liked him because we thought that he was going to be able to to kind of put the ball in the net and create, and he never really did. The difference is Theo didn't get as many chances. But again, I think if you look down, Charles played thirty odd games for us last season. Um, Unlucky because he started the season injured. And I do wonder if he'd started the season and got two goals in the first four or five games, 
think it would have been a different matter altogether. I think his confidence probably took a knock as well. So, well, I suppose if if, you, if you're in a team at the start of the season, you get that opportunity, don't you? And then if you get the opportunity to build the consistency, and again, confidence is a huge thing. It's, it's intangible, but it is a huge thing for any footballer. Then, then maybe you know, maybe. Well, I think the prime example of that working well is Lars Sorensen when he goes to wing back and he scores against Wickham from the halfway line. A yeah. player that's not confident doesn't even think about it. It doesn't even cross your mind. When you when you're playing so well and you're, you're full of confidence, you know it, it, it's kind of exponential in terms of in terms of kind of how that grows. And obviously, we hope that continues for last um, throughout the whole of this season as well. But if you don't get the opportunity to um, to build that, or you have a knock, or you have a couple of bad games, and then you're kind of in and out of the team. It's really difficult to to stake a claim because you've got to kind of really outperform. You've got to really stick in someone's mind to get that next that nod. Um, so yeah, I, as harsh as it sounds, there's no great loss to us. Um, I think he's easily upgradable and, and replaceable, but that's not to say that he's not going to be an asset for Grimsby. Just like Archibald was a huge asset for for Orient last season, and he's going to be back in League One this season. Yep, he is indeed. Um, so now we're going to move on to fixtures. Now, you guys know, uh, certainly Chris knows, that I don't get excited about a fixture release day. Um, yeah, we've probably got the worst two people on about this because neither, neither do I. <laughs> Steve, Steve O'Dare on Twitter. I know a lot of people kind of see Steve's tweets and they think that you know, he's sometimes a bit deliberately obstinate, but he, he just speaks his mind. And he says, you play everybody twice, you play 46 games in total, what does it matter? For, for me... I can see how it does matter in some ways. So I can see, like, if, if you've got a tough start, you look at Cheltenham, for instance, I'm looking at their start at the minute. Um, Shrewsbury, Bolton, Reading, Portsmouth. If you're four games in and you've only got one point, people are going to look at you and go, hey, up there in trouble. And we're on to that confidence thing again, aren't we? But it's only on paper, though, isn't it? So I, I'm not saying any team did this, but let's imagine last season, the first three games for a team was Oxford, MK Dons and Charlton. You think, bloody hell, that's going to be a real tough start for us. But actually, all three of those teams massively underperformed. And it's only on paper that these fixtures look tough or, 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 or not. So, again, that, and that's the reason why I don't really care about them. Um, because, because you don't know. You can only guess on paper. Um, there are some things that you can, you, you can gauge pretty confidently. Like, I think both of us agree that Bolton are going to be a real tough challenge this season, 100%. which, of course, means for us, the opening game away at Bolton is going to be uh, a, a tough game for us. But, but yeah, I, I completely get your point. But it's only ever on paper, isn't it? And yeah, and, and look, the opening game of the 1995-96 season, eventual champions Preston North End lost 2-1 to us and, and we were on our third manager by the time they reached the top of the table. So, um, it, you know, the opening day is, uh, it can be quite a balmy day. I actually put it was a bad game to have for the opening day. I'm not so sure, actually. I think going away to one of the strongest promotion candidates you can get it pocketed and out of the way. And then if, let's say, we're locked in a battle for let's let's hope, and we don't know, let's say we're locked in a battle for sixth, and it's like, oh, they've got still got to go away to Bolton yet. They'll drop points there if, if Bolton are, are away and at the top. I think that the big the bigger sections for me are anything before the transfer window, because there'll be some clubs who are significantly stronger on the 1st of September than they were on the 28th of August. Well, Burton were a prime example of that. Last at season Christmas. at Christmas, yeah. yeah so yeah. they were well, pretty woeful, really, before Christmas, and then genuinely impressive after it. They had, they were like two completely different teams. Well, they were because they basically bought a new squad. Um, yeah. But but yeah, you're absolutely right. That can have a huge impact. But yeah, the, the first few games of the of the of the season, 
a lot of teams haven't got their business completed, or we hadn't this time last season. I think that might be one reason why we're trying to get a lot of business done early and not rely too much on loans for key players. We're going to have well, a longer time to, to to kind of start the season, start the season well, really. Yeah, get off to a good start. If we'd got off to a good start last season, we would have been a place higher. Uh, and interestingly, we've got Shrewsbury for the transfer window. They're a team that are going to be cramming a lot of business in come August because at the minute they don't have a manager. Their general director's already been in the paper saying we're missing out on players because we don't have a head coach, but don't worry. By the time we play them, I think that they will just be putting a squad together. They might be a few weeks down the behind in terms of squad. It's a good time to play them. Um, I also think who you play over Christmas is interesting. I think not travelling away for games over the Christmas period is actually good, irrespective of who you play. I don't like it. I don't want to go to Central Bank on the 26th and the 29th because it kind of condenses and makes planning for Christmas challenging. But we've got two two home games over Christmas. Players don't have to travel. Players can be with their families without having to worry about overnight stays. And then Easter is another one, again, because you play two, three, two, three games in six or seven days and it's crucial at the end of the season as well. They're, they're the main ones, but... We play everybody twice, and outside of what we've just said, it really doesn't bother me too much. Yeah, there's um, there's a handful that stuck out to me, um, and it's more from a fan's perspective than it is it's kind of on the pitch, really. There's um, the Christmas ones. I'm the opposite to you. I love it when we're at home over Christmas because I, I always book that week off. My partner always goes back down to Norfolk to see her family, and it's just flipping brilliant to kind of get football in, see him, and just and just I love it. I love that week between Christmas and New Year. I like it more than Christmas Day, genuinely do. I do, um, yeah. I so to get those back to back home games, and it reminds me when we played um, Ipswich and Peterborough, obviously a few oh. years ago, that same sort of setup. Well, I think it was a similar sort of setup. That straddled um, New Year. That was before and after. Oh, New was it? it? But it was two home games over that kind of yeah, festive well, period, and I like that. I also like that um, two clubs that we didn't get the opportunity to. To have on a Saturday, um, home or away last season, that uh, would be reasonably close away days and would bring big followings. So they both brought big followings on a Tuesday night anyway, but it's Derby and Barnsley. Um, all yeah, four of those fixtures yeah. are on Saturdays. Um, I've never been Ooh, to Oakwell. Good shout. Uh, yeah, I didn't know um, that. So, obviously, we went to Derby last year, um, which yeah. was a great, well, brilliant evening that was. But um, I've never been to Oakwell in all my time watching football. Um, and I couldn't get to the, I couldn't get to it last season. In fact, I was in, um, I was in Amsterdam when we played last season. So that would have made it very difficult to get there. But um, just the fact that they're Saturday, you know, they're, they're Saturday uh, games will be able to take a bigger following because you always do for Saturday games. We are likely to get a bigger or at least a sellout, um, as many as we can in terms of away fans for Saturday games. It's just, I just yeah, I like that. Those, those, those slightly more local teams on Saturdays is, is, a, is a real positive. The rest of it, I don't really, I don't really care about, to be honest. No, um, I looked over the fixture list. I was lucky. I got it under embargo, so I was able to kind of look over it first thing this morning. Um, and I didn't feel there was any period where I thought, oh, there's four or five games there that are going to be tough. And last season, I remember looking at it with the Ipswiches and the Sheffield Wednesdays and the Derbys and the Charltons and the Portsmouths. And I, I remember thinking, wow, this, you know, if we don't have enough points at that stage, it's going to be a real problem for us. Didn't get that from this season. And I said the other day, I didn't think that League One was particularly weaker this season than last season because the three teams that were far and away the best three teams have gone. But outside of that, actually, League One hasn't really changed as much. You might say, oh, well, we might be three places higher, but the teams coming down, you would imagine, would sit in there. So so in actual fact, our position in the grand scheme of things hasn't changed an awful lot. And just because three 
massively strong teams have gone. We didn't lose to those teams. So from my perspective, from a Lincoln City perspective, League One this season isn't any easier than it was last season. And people are thinking that it is. In my mind, it isn't. We've lost Morecambe, Forest Green, who were shit. And we've got teams coming up. You'd, you'd think all of the teams that are coming up have got a damn good chance of staying up, given the size of the clubs. I've got an opinion on this. That that it kind of a, kind of semi agrees, kind of doesn't, because I think the top end of the table is weaker. I think the teams that are coming down are significantly weaker than those coming up. You have got Reading and Wigan who are in turmoil. You have got Blackpool who struggled to to take the step up into into the championship, and you'd expect those three teams to historically the three teams getting relegated from the championship to be in the in the promotion hunt. I think Blackpool could be a playoff contender. I, I'd be really surprised to see Wigan and Reading. Um, in, in and around it, Reading may be more likely than Wigan, but yeah, I just I just don't feel that they're they're at all set up to to really have a serious promotion push. But at the other end of the of the table, I think that the the, the four teams coming up are stronger than those going down. Um, so last season we kind of we spoke ever since kind of before Christmas we was on about League One was made up of two divisions really. There was the top ten or so that were the kind of the haves, and then the have-nots for everyone else that was kind of below that. And you know, we were fortunate enough to finish kind of top of that that kind of second divide. Really, I don't think you'll see quite as big a divide this season. I think that it, everything's a bit more condensed. Um, so on paper, that's that's positive for us. Like you made the point, we obviously picked up the majority of our points against the bigger and better sides. Uh, so let's hope for that that little caveat. You know, isn't isn't as relevant. Um, you know, hopefully we are one of those bigger and better sides. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Um, but yeah, I, I don't think you'll see as big a divide. I think I think League One is slightly more even. So yeah, maybe the average ability hasn't changed too much, but I think the extremes have, have come closer together. Yeah, I'd buy that, and because I, I I think Blackpool and Reading will both be teams who will expect to finish above us and will likely finish above us. Now we're going to have been taken over, even with the points deficit. I think that they will be a better side than people are giving them credit for, and I think that if they were starting on an even keel they're a team that might expect to finish above us as well. So in that respect, you've got three teams coming down who would expect to finish above Lincoln City. Um, so it doesn't change overall. I do think that will be closer. I think that Derby and Bolton potentially could run away with it, like Ipswich. And yeah, I, I, think, I, think, I think those two teams are the best set up to, to, yeah. to be the, the favourites for the top two. Because Barnsley, Barnsley look like losing Michael Duff, apparently, to um, Swansea. So anyway, so they're the fixtures. We said before we started 40 minutes, we're on 45 minutes already. It always tends to happen that way. Uh, we've also had our cup draw, so we'll go with the most important of the competitions, first of all, um, given the FA Cup's obviously not drawn yet. We are away at, uh, it is away, I think, isn't it, at Notts County, at Meadow Lane, uh, in the Carabao Cup. I am told that we've broke some sort of record uh, for the most number of away draws in the League Cup first round. So I think if you go back through the League Cup first round, we haven't been drawn at home in the League Cup for, I think it was 10 years. Let me just have a quick look at the WhatsApp. So it's it's Meadow Lane. I think it's on paper, it's a toughie. Um, but it's also, I think it's also a game that fans will be quite happy to go to because Meadow Lane, always a nice place to go. Kind of a bit of a local derby. Um, uh, so it's the eighth time in a row we've been in the League Cup first round and we've been drawn away. Uh, interestingly, if there is a player for uh, on the Notts County team that has been at Lincoln when we play, back him to score because we've played them four times in the League Cup on two the two occasions over two legs. 
In the first time we played them, Gordon Mayer scored twice. He went on to play for Lincoln. And the second time we played them, Devon White scored twice in both games. Uh, and he had played for Lincoln. So six goals have scored against us in the League Cup. All teams with all players with Lincoln connections. What do you make of the draw? Well, you said of the two draws, the most important. And I thought you was going to go with the EFL trophy draw first, because I personally think that's more important for Lincoln City. But that's another. <laughs> but that's <laughs> a, 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 <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe a chat for another day. Um, but yeah, don't really, don't really mind. Uh, I'm pleased if it was either what a home draw against literally anybody because you get to have a home game or an away game, which is reasonably um, close for, for travelling. And we've got we've got a game that's close for travelling. Um, you imagine Notts County are going to be quite strong. Um, you know, the, the, the bottom half of League Two is, is normally not a million miles away from the top half of, of the National League in a normal season. So for them and Wrexham to be as dominant as they were um, last season would indicate to me that both them and Wrexham are probably quite likely to go right through into uh, and be promotion challenges for in League Two this season, which means it's probably going to be quite a tough test. Um, they've, they've kept hold of a lot of their squad. They've added to the only major departure they've had is Ruben Rodriguez, who's gone to Oxford, I believe. Yeah. Um, we were linked with at Christmas time, I think. I don't know how serious yeah. the rumours were, but we were linked with him. Um, they're just, yeah, they'll be a really strong League Two side. Um, obviously, a local, a local game. That's good. That's a good. That's as, as, as good a draw as we could hope for if it was going to be away from home. Yeah, I think so. And bear in mind, they've signed David McGoldrick as well. Oh, what a so, ridiculously good signing that! Yeah, <laughs> so they'll have McGoldrick and Langstaff up front. Um, so I, I think it's a potential pitfall. Uh, I, I buy what you say about when I said the most important one. I probably meant the one that's got the prestige. There's no controversy around the League Cup, but you have to win about six games in it before you make any money. So uh, or get a decent draw away from home. So f- to actually go to a Notts County where it's probably it could well be a six-figure attendance because they'll still, it's all new again to the Notts County fans and they were, you know, they can accommodate 10,000. We will probably take as many as they give us over there. It's near and we'll get half of that gate. So financially, it's the best draw that we could have had. When it comes to finance, the best competition for Lincoln City is the EFL trophy. Uh, so we've got Notts County again in that. Uh, we've also got Derby, who probably are the biggest club, you might argue, that we could have got uh, in the draw. Um but, you know, and, and it depends when you're who's at home, who's away, and Wolves under twenty ones, which is pretty much of a muchness. Uh, again, what your take on that? Well, you can expect us to get. Well, I say not saying we will, but you, the expectation would be, would be that we beat the under twenty one size. And Wolves were one of the weaker under twenty one sides last season, but of course, that a Premier League under twenty one squad will significantly change every season. Um, so you can't read too much into it. Um, the other two are going to be tough because you'd imagine not to count to take this is the uh, competition reasonably. Seriously, it's a trophy that, they, that, that, that obviously they, that they can get to Wembley and win. And you tend to find the teams that are recently promoted from the National League do tend to take quite seriously. We did. We won it uh, exactly that season. I seem to think Salford got to a final, Sutton got to a final. I'm sure there's others. Um, so, yeah, because again, it's the same point you made about the League Cup. When you've been out in non-league for a few years and you get promoted back into it, you're back into these 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 competitions that the more established clubs in League One and League Two just don't really care too much about unless they happen to get through the, the, the groups and, and, and qualify, then they take them a bit more seriously. Um, whereas if you're a new club in, in the competition, you you do take it seriously because it's a novelty and, you, and you're likely to get half-decent gates. You know, I remember when we got promoted not, um, and then we played in that away at um, Mansfield, we, we took over a 1,000 away supporters to... Mansfield on an EFL trophy game where and a, the, if that happened this season 
we'd probably take 100, maybe 200, because it's, the novelty's worn off, and that happens at every league club. And then we're also playing against the the the, the arguably the biggest side in the competition, and uh, the club with one of the one of the deepest squads. So you, even if every side puts out their second string, you can imagine Derby's second string to be one of the strongest second strings um, in the competition. So it's actually going to be quite tough for us. To, you know, we said that it's the one that we've got the best potential to make some money from, which is correct. But it's actually going to be quite tough this year. Bear in mind, Paul Warren won the, won the competition with Rotherham when he got them promoted two seasons ago as well. And I think that was when they beat Sutton, who had just come up. So actually, we've kind of got almost like mirror images of the two finalists from two years ago, a team just coming up and 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 uh, and Paul Warren's side as well. So, um, uh, But Derby last year actually put a very strong side out. Uh, it was partly under Liam Rosinia, but I noticed McGoldrick and James Collins and players like that played in all three of their games in this competition. Uh, so I, I think it is one that this season, I don't mind not when I say not writing off these two competitions. I don't mind seeing the Freddie Drapers if they're back or the Alicia Hueys or you know the Jordan Wrights, the other young players that we've got coming through, getting a run out in them. Because for me, I think that we can concentrate on the league and an FA Cup run would be nice. The FA Cup run's the one that, that, that drags the headlines out. It's the one where win three games in the League Cup uh, and, and you've probably not made a lot of money. Win three games in the EFL Trophy, you've made some money, but probably only a 1,000 people have seen them. Win three games in the FA Cup, you're in the fourth round. You've beaten probably a bigger club in the third round. Headlines start getting written. So for me, it's the FA Cup. Yeah, I think it's like a different rhetoric to last season as well. Yeah. Because um, last season, for, for me, this time last year, it was a case of as long as we're not, I don't expect us to be anywhere near promotion, nowhere near it. And as long as we're not going to get, um, we're not going to be in a relegation battle, and we're, and we're far enough away to not worry about it, it'd be great to have a cup run in, in as many competitions as possible because that's where our headlines are going to come from. That's where our excitement is going to come from. That's how it turned out, actually, which is yeah, quite yeah. nice. Uh, I know our, this time last year, the kind of concern was actually we could be in a relegation battle, so the cup fixtures are irrelevant. But if as long as we're not in it, the cups are great. Whereas this year, and again, not expecting it, but I think we have an outside chance of flirting with the playoffs. You know, if, if the stars align, we've got a chance of, 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 of having a run into them. And if that is going to be a real focus, then things like the League Cup and the EFL Trophy, you can afford to, you know, you, you don't prioritise them because you think you know what we're actually we can make we can make some headlines in the league. Um, you'll always you'll always put your strongest side up for an FA Cup game. You always take that seriously. Everyone um, loves the FA Cup, especially um, Chippenham. They love it. Okay, of course they do. But it's it's per- <laughs> for all non-league clubs love it to get to the first round. And all league clubs love it to try and get to the third round. Uh, and that's yeah. where the headlines are made. So you always take that seriously. But yeah, I think the league's probably going to be a bit more of a priority in terms of genuinely trying to achieve something um, this season than maybe it needed to be last season. Last season, it was about just not getting into trouble for me. Um, and wouldn't it be nice just to be flirting with the playoffs or at least going into the last 10 games of the season with a ch- realistic chance of you know, if we put a good run together, we could end up in there. Wouldn't that be great? And I do feel we've got the potential. Um, obviously, there's a lot of the transfer window left yet for all clubs, not just us. But, you know, as, we, as everything stands right now, that's where my mind is at. Yep. You mentioned the transfer window there. We're going to be really quick now because we are slightly overrunning what we said, but I did put a call out for questions. So I'm just going to pick two of the questions out. The first one, it kind of plays into what we've just been talking about. Um, it's from Stuart Fox. And he says, how many loan players do you think we are likely to have and what are the most likely positions they will be in? Appreciate its early days. So early thoughts on that? Uh, I can't see us signing any um, key players on loan. 
um, unless something happens towards right at the very end of the transfer window and a player that has been unavailable suddenly becomes available who can significantly improve our squad. Um, I imagine, in terms of positions, don't know. I imagine we might we all take up our full loan quota. It, it seems silly not to, but a third choice striker, you know, a backup left wing back, you know, um, some a backup central midfielder that can that can come and get some experience and, and come on and make an impact late in a game. Maybe I can't see us relying on loan players for key signings. That seems to be the message that's been coming out from Mark Kennedy since kind of January last season. Obviously, the early signings and the transfer window kind of suggest that's the case as well. Um, so, yeah, I suppose that kind of answers the question a little bit. Does uh, I am kind of with you on that. I think if we are going to sign a, a kind of a headline loan player, I still think it will be a centre forward because I think you sign a centre forward and it's a Luke Plant type player. Now, not somebody, he would have to be somebody who had a, a better impact than Luke Plant. But you sign a lone player striker and he may not come and explain, expect to play every game. And that means Ben House has the focus. He can go and do it once, but there's pressure on him. You sign a striker for four grand a week. He's going to expect to come and play. Pressures on Ben House, and, you know, and the fans are then kind of juggling between the two. So, if I can see us signing a striker, I can see us signing uh, a wing back or, or maybe even two wing backs to come in, potentially as starting players. Because again, I think in that wing back position, you can get players who are quicker, who are um, a little bit lively. You can get a little bit of energy. I, I'm not with you. I don't think we'll take up our full quota. I'm not sure we'll have all five loan players signed up. Because remember, loan players do cost money, and I think we're trying to allocate budget uh, towards making money for ourselves rather than uh, rather than loan players. So that's answered that. Uh, I also have one from Ian Tinkler. Ian says, "Can you see any of our academy players breaking into the first team this season?" That's a great question. Um, apart from the ones that we know about. So again, I don't know if things like Hui would count, for example, because they're obviously they've they've from the academy, they've yet to really stake a, a, a real claim to the first team, but they are getting first team football elsewhere. In terms of lads that are currently in the uh, academy, I don't know. There's been a couple of um, couple of pro deals offered. Um, there's MJ Kamara who's got offered a, a, a pro deal. Hayden can signed uh, a new deal as well. Um, so he'd been out on that loan. Been out on loan for the last two or three seasons. Been on loan at Gainsborough. Played pretty much week in week out for Gainsborough last season. Um, as a young player, you generally find it's harder to get opportunities at, at centre back, which is another reason why Sean Rowan's been so impressive for us because he's been playing in, in either left back, wing back, or centre half. And to yeah, stake a claim as a young player. So I think it's really interesting that we've that we offered Hayden Can a new deal. Um, can I see him break in? I don't know. I'll be honest. I, I don't know the youth players anywhere near as well as, as we know the first team because we haven't seen them as often, you know. Um, but in terms of news coming from the club, I'd say Hayden Cannes probably the most likely um, to, to, to just because he's at the end of that, that, that loan spell out of contract at the age of, I think he's 20. Um, it's either you go out and play non-league football for the rest of your career or actually, you get off the deal because we see you've been part of the club and been part of the squad. Um, so, yeah, that, that's one. Uh, I, think I, I would say my answer would be no, and a flat no, because I don't think the pathway that the club... The pathway... Um, I don't think it wasn't that, me! <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that the pathway that the club provides uh, is for academy to first team. I think that it's about loan. It's about being drip fed, and you only need to look at Draper, Freddie Draper, Sam Long, Sean Rowan, um, Jovan Makama, 
uh, you know, all players who have come through and then have gone out on loan. You've got Morgan Walsfall, Greg. You've got uh, Ocean Gallagher. He's one that'll be interesting, Gallagher, because he's he's maybe a year or two behind. But he so players like McCarmer. That's a good point, actually. Joven maybe maybe would be, be more seen as a first team player this season. But, but then, do you think that the question is saying players like, for instance, Bailey Adamson, who was scoring mm. plenty of goals for the um, under 18s Yeah, Julian Donnery scored. Julian Donnery goals or something last year. And there's definitely MJ Kamara as well. But I don't think any of those players break into the first team. I don't think that that's. I don't think a Lincoln City has a player in the academy that's going to do like a Phil Foden type thing at Manchester City because I think that it's a different level. We're working with some of these players like Elitra Huey came through the Shadow Scholar programme, so he was cast off. We saw something in him. You know, If he gets bigger, if he fills out a little bit, he could be a player, and that's happened. I think that at academy level, I think it's a longer game. And you look at Joven. When Joven came out of the academy, I remember seeing him in a friendly. It was under, might have even been when Danny and Nicky were managers. And I remember looking at him thinking, that kid will never make a footballer. So he was just gangly and he was, I, I didn't see why we'd got him. He had his long hair like a, like Kareka or something like that. He looked like a, like a Brazilian kind of um, throwback. Uh, and now you look at him and you think, well, actually, I'm not sure whether he'll impact the first team or not. But he's gone out, he's put bulk on, he's put work on, he's had some first-team exposure. But he's not a player that you would think Joven could come in and play 30 games for his next season. Oh, no, I don't agree. I don't think there's anybody that will um, that will feature that regularly at all. No. I feel but there, there might be a few names that we haven't seen before that will feature in matchday squads and might get a few minutes here or there. I I think I agree that the, the, the big pathway ha, um, is come through the academy, go out on loan for a couple of seasons, then see where you are. And I think that's the one why Hayden can stands out to me because he's a couple of years ahead of those other guys that we've mentioned and he was out yeah. of contract and he's been off the new one. And I think that's a bit of a crossroads at that point. So that'll be really interesting. Um, but yeah, in terms of anybody else, I'm not so sure. No. Wonderful. Look, we're on the hour mark, although it won't quite be that because we've got some bits to cut out, mainly me saying pathway. So it looks like just Chris has said it. That'd be <laughs> um, so uh, as, as I said, the, the, the four of us are getting together on Tuesday. Who knows, we might record something. Um, we will see what we do. If not, hopefully there'll be something to talk about next week. Um, we're going to try and not take a break. I have lined up a former pro. I've just got to get some time in for that. And we might have a couple more of those through the summer as well. Um, but in the meantime, uh, without any football, up the imps. Up the imps. The 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.